Watch Podcast. I'm Aaron Berger, a Nebraska Extension Educator. For today's Beef Watch Podcast, we're going to talk about an article from the August issue of the Beef Watch newsletter titled Storing Wet Distillers Grains in the Summer for Fall and Winter Feeding. To discuss this topic, I'm joined today by one of the co-authors, Dr. Carla Wilkie, who's a University of Nebraska Cow-Calf Systems and Stocker Management Specialist. Thanks for joining me today. Thank you for having me. Dr. Wilkie, seasonally, this is the time of year when we often see some wet distillers grains more available. Uh, there's just less cattle being on feed. There's less wet distillers grains going into backgrounding and growing rations. Sometimes then that also provides the opportunity to stockpile some of this for fall and winter feeding. Talk through with us some things that producers might want to consider and think through if they're thinking about this as an option. So you're right. This is probably a good time to get it. In western Nebraska, it, supplies can be really tight in the fall because of the feedlots then, uh, you know, the fall run, bringing in a lot of calves. And so for the smaller cow-calf producer, trying to get that as a product to feed their newly weaned calves or their, their cow hard for the winter can get to be kind of a tight supply kind of an issue. And so getting it now, as you were just saying in the summer, when it's a little more available is a great option, but there's certainly some concerns about you've got a wet product and you've got the summer heat. And so, you know, how's that going to affect it? How do we prevent some losses in, in shrink in that? And so the article talks about some different storage methods that people might consider to help reduce some of the shrink and some of the loss um, due to exposure to air. So most folks are familiar with just the logistics of what wet distillers grains like. One of the things that you mentioned as a possibility is bagging it. Uh, just talk about that as an option and, and some of the challenges that go with bagging if you're just going to bag it straight. So bagging the wet distillers is a good way to get the air exposure reduced considerably because obviously once you get that you know bag sealed up, then it's, it's pretty airtight. So that's certainly an option, but you know you have to have the bagger equipment that that hooks onto the bag and fills the the bag. And so that's that's an added expense if you own it or if you have to lease it, um, that kind of thing. And so that does add some expense that you have to think through. And then the other issue that's kind of frustrating with the bagging of the straight wet distillers is that the the product is so has such lack of structure. I don't know how else to say it, but if you the pressure that the bagger puts on it to fill the bag will break the bag with the distillers. And then, you know, it oozes out, there's a hole in the bag, and now you've got air exposure again. So that's kind of an issue. And if you try to reduce the pressure on it to keep it from breaking the bag, then it gets to be a really long uh, pancake-y kind of bag. And, and that works, but you just got to handle it very carefully because it can very easily break the bag. And so that's that's kind of the downside of using the bagger that way. You do mention, though, there is the option of mixing some forage with that, wheat straw, ground corn stalks, some low-quality forage to add, as you would say, some structure, some bulk to make it a little easier to handle. Talk about that, and that also then is going to apply in terms of thinking about packing it if we're putting it into a bunker. Right. So, yeah, as you say, you can you can add some roughage and there's been some research done on, you know, how much roughage do we have to add to make this work? And 
most of the research suggests that about 12 and a half percent on a dry matter basis of like wheat straw residues of some sort, ground residues, which is probably about 5% on an as-is basis, on a weight basis of the of the mixture is enough. So it's not a lot, but it's enough to add enough structure to when the bagger like puts the pressure on the bag to fill it, you know, you don't have so much issues with it rupturing the bag and then it makes a frame of it you know it's like a bigger diameter of the bag without it like pancaking out really long and so that actually gets the bag filled pretty pretty well that way you know in the article we talked a little bit about storing it in a bunker if you don't have the bagger and so you can add some roughage to it and and pack it like with a tractor or whatever and 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 make it more like you do silage or you don't necessarily have to add any roughage to the bunker, you know, you can, you can make it um, stay in there, but it, it is good to, to cover it for sure. So. You also talk about the option of what I would call a homemade ag bag or something like that. (laughs) And, uh, you know, putting some black plastic down and, and basically making a bunker out of bales, but then uh, making sure you kind of get that sealed up. Talk about that as an option, especially thinking about ranches or smaller cow-calf operators that maybe don't have a concrete pad or a good place to right. make a bunker out of. Right. And I think all of us would dearly love to have, you know, three or four concrete bunkers because those are just the best for storing and handling stuff, but most of us don't have that. And so, you know, you can put down a layer of ground wheat straw or cornstalk bales or, you know, something, some poor quality hay that, and put that down and make a, a wall of square bales or round bales, whatever. And then you can unload the distillers into that. You don't necessarily have to then mix the distillers with a roughage source. You can push that back in there and then you can cover it with a layer of hay or you can put some more plastic over the top or whatever. And so that's that's a pretty good makeshift bunker. That it's important to put something down on the bottom because the solubles in it, you know, can leach into the ground and you lose that. Whereas if they leach into the hay, then you can feed that and and um, the cattle really like that. And then the top layer is really important because what you're trying to do is prevent access to, to air, which is what's going to cause spoilage. And so the more that we can seal it up the best that we can, the the better it's going to store until we need it. Dr. Wilkie, if we find that we've got some mold growing on this wet distiller's grains, is that a cause for concern? Or if we do see that, when does it become a cause for concern? So there, there can be some mold on the top of that, and there'll be kind of a crusting, just like you see with, with silage or, or beet pulp um, piles. But that has been analyzed. And so far, we've not been able to detect mycotoxins on it, um, probably because the starch in the distillers has been removed for the purpose of making the ethanol. And so, you know, they don't really grow on there. And so it appears that that's pretty safe for cattle. And so we go ahead and blend that in. A lot of times, if you've got a pretty good chunk of it, I'd blend it in with cow diets. The cows seem to be less picky. If I've got early weaned calves, then I'd try to, you know, dig into the pile a little bit and get a little bit fresher for them. But the the key is probably to try to limit how much of the face of that you take, you know, keep feeding off a small area so that you keep it pretty well covered and reduce some of that mold growth and stuff. Anything else you'd like to highlight on this topic today? Just that 
online we do have an extension circular on storage of of wet co-products and um, you can find that on our beef.unl.edu website and it has a lot of good information on pictures of how you might uh, make a bunker and mix it and store it and what it might look like, as well as a lot of the things that we've talked about here today, the different mixtures and how that worked out and, and that sort of thing. So um, that's a really good resource if this is something that your operation could benefit from. Thanks again for joining me today. Well, thank you for having me. Well, for more information on the topic that was discussed in today's Beef Watch podcast, there are a number of resources at the beef.unl.edu website would encourage you to visit the website to find more information.